everyone, and welcome to Founders Ascent, the podcast where we talk about books relating to fitness, entrepreneurship, and self-improvement. My name is VJ, and I'm here with Gavin. Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about The Alchemist by Paul Coelho. And it's a novel about a boy named Santiago that essentially follows his destiny, follows his dreams, and essentially follows what his personal legend is in general. To get it started here, we're going to talk about personal legends and what Paul Coelho talks about in The Alchemist regarding personal legend. Yeah. So the personal legend, it sort of reminds me of Chief Definite Name from Think and Grow Rich. If you don't know that book, we'll probably get on that one pretty soon. It's pretty high on our list for what to do next. But um, it's basically the primary purpose that someone keeps striving towards. So for Steve Jobs, it might have been Apple, for Zuckerberg, it might have been Facebook, Bezos, Amazon, whatever it is. It's the primary thing that the person is just continuously driving towards. And it's sort of like what they're meant to do, like what they dream of and enjoy and think is going, uh, believe is going to happen. And for Santiago in the story, it's the treasure buried under the pyramids that he has to dream about. And that's his personal legend to go to the pyramids from Spain and travel pretty much almost entirely by land to the pyramids and retrieve his treasure. And uh, the really, I guess, primary thing that I paid attention to was how he was continuously moving forwards towards the goal, even though he often got faced obstacles and uh, even distractions. But um, for example, he, uh, within the first two hours of being in Africa after crossing the little strait to get to, to, from Spain to Africa, he got robbed and lost all his money that he had just gotten from selling his sheep as a shepherd. And he had to work, I think it was for almost a year, like 11 months and nine days. Yeah, it was, it was a long time. Yeah, the, he worked for a long time in a crystal, like glassware shop. And uh, through his creativity and entrepreneurial spirit, he sort of figured out how to improve the shop and make it better. But that whole time, he, he was thinking about going back and just going, getting more sheep, but also nagging at the end of it was, but what about the treasure? I'm two hours closer to the pyramids. I'm two hours closer to my treasure. And he determined he would continue going towards his treasure uh, rather than to backtrack and then maybe never even, uh, never accomplish his personal legend. And it, it, it talks about being, that's sort of the most important thing that whatever you choose to do, you focus and work on achieving that. And in, and in going after your goals or personal legend, following omens from the universe and following that, you, you wanna make sure that fear isn't one of those factors that's holding you back. And it says in the book, tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself. And that no heart has ever suffered when it goes in search of its dreams because every second 
of the search is a second encounter with God and with eternity. So we, essentially what it's saying is that fear is a bigger obstacle than the obstacle that you're fearing is in the end. So essentially what you want to do is, I think in, in the book later on when they're in the caravan with the camel driver, the camel driver or the guy that's riding the camel, I guess I should say, he brings up a good point when he says that generally speaking, he lives in the present. And the reason why I think he brings that up in the book is because if we live in the present, we're not in fear of what, we're not thinking about things that could hold us back in the future. We're not thinking about future adversity. We're not fearing that if we're living in the present. Not only that though, we're not thinking about things that have harmed us in the past that could potentially hold us back from following our dream in the present. So living in the present, like what he brings up with the with that uh, camel uh, rider there in the end, near the end, I guess, I think is a really big point in this book here because fear is often a bigger obstacle than that, the actual obstacle itself. Yeah, and with that quote about um, following uh, the fear of suffering is worse than suffering yourself, and you don't suffer when you're in pursuit of your personal legend. Like, you still have all your previous success that doesn't go away. And so it, it probably, if you feel like there's something that you want to try and you want to do, and it might be risky, but it's probably better you take that risk now than later. Like, especially if you're younger and you don't have a family that you have to look after, it's so much better to start a business then than when you have a family and kids and this could massively mess up not only your life, but everyone around you. So take taking those risks now and doing what you feel like you should do. Another, in um, Timothy Ferris's book, uh, for our work week, he talks about how uh, it, he talks a lot about traveling the world and ditching your nine to five re regular job. And what he says about it is oftentimes um, you think, oh, I'll lose all this progress on my career path. But actually, if you were to want to pick up that career again and you sit down in an interview and talk about traveling the world, the people with the nine to five jobs that are interviewing you will want to know how you did it and be fantastically interested in that and uh, will hire you probably more, and you might get in a better position after traveling and doing this awesome thing that no one ever thinks of doing because you stepped away from your career and all that sort of career progression, like maybe that's just an illusion and what really is, is you just want to say you're progressing so you feel better about yourself or whatever. But honestly, how much do you actually lose from stepping away from what you do all the time? Like if you have a degree, you still have your degree. If you're, you've learned a skill, you still have a skill. The relationships should some contacts you might lose, but a lot of them, you can pick that relationship right back up and um, they'll be happy to meet you and hear about your experiences. So t 
if you feel like you there's something that you need to be doing, I, I don't mean drop everything right away, but make a plan to make accomplish your dreams and make it happen because you will prefer pursuing that than being stuck at wherever you are. And um, if you're just thinking about doing it, but thinking about all the obstacles, that doesn't help you. Actually trying to accomplish it and realizing that, oh, some of these obstacles aren't as bad as I thought, that actually is useful and will make you feel good about yourself. So when he was talking about um, is suffering for your personal legend, I mean, what, what else is worth suffering for? I think, I think at the end of the day, knowing, even if you fall short of said goal, and I guess in this example, it could be starting your own company because that's what BJ and I want to do. And that's essentially why we created this podcast, Founders Ascent, hence the name. We want to essentially spread a bunch of knowledge that helps people become founders. And oftentimes what I feel like holds people back is obviously the fear of failure first off. But I think living with the regret of knowing that you could have tried but didn't is probably like one of the most difficult things you could end up with. Like the most difficult Absolutely. feelings you could end up with in the end. And so I think if you have an idea, it may not necessarily be the most well thought out idea. But I think just getting started on it and then figuring other things out a little bit after you've, you've started with said idea is the way to go. Like when BJ and I thought to like start this podcast, we hadn't thought about all the logistics, but we had an idea and we had something that we both liked doing, which was reading books related to self-improvement. And we thought that or one of the things that I thought about was regretting not doing this down the road because it could only serve to benefit me and not really serve to harm me in the end. So doing things that could only serve to help you is what you should try to do and not necessarily thinking about failure because holding yourself back because of failure is often worse than the failure itself. Essentially like what, what Paul yeah. talks about in the book pretty much the entire way through, I guess. Yeah. And the other thing is maybe don't focus on like the end result. Like if you're trying to create a social media platform or if you're trying to grow on a social media platform, maybe don't track the followers and stay focused on what is it you actually trying to do with this? What are you actually trying to spread? And focus on the actual impact, not the influence. And then, because it talks about in the book, uh, it, the, the, over, the metaphor that sort of encapsulates a lot, the entire book is transmuting from something of lesser value to greater value. That's what happens to Santiago. That's what happens literally in the book with turning lead into gold. And it says the reason why a lot of people fail in turning lead into gold is to focus only on uh, 
getting the gold rather than the process of uh, lead achieving its personal legend of becoming gold. And so remaining focused on sort of what is it you're actually trying to accomplish? Like, even if this only helps one person, how are we going to help that person? How can we help that person best? And thinking about those questions and the in, sort of, I, I, with the um, common plan of business models to figure out who's your target customer and how do you solve their problems, apply that to whatever it is you're doing. How, how can you focus zero in on exactly exactly who you want to help and how you're going to help them and help that one person as much as possible to then eventually get to the point where you can help a lot of people. Like, because if you're too focused on scaling immediately, you're just going to be scaling trash. You, you have to actually improve what you're doing first. And then once you have something good, then it's going to spread like wildfire, but you have to make something good first. I know there was a company that, uh, what their goal was they wanted to provide like recipes, but then also do the shopping. So all the meal plan would for a particular household would basically be done. Like they would automate the buying of the groceries and they would also would plan and recommend meals based off what the family liked and they would combine AI software to make that happen. And what they what they did initially with that is they found they, they went like in person at grocery stores and ask someone to pay like 15 bucks a month to do this. And they would prepare everything by hand. They would go to the door and collect the 15 bucks by hand and then hand them a paper copy of all the recipes that they researched by hand and the bag of grocery that they hired by hand. And they did that for months before ever starting on the software. So they would understand every process of that. And that one person got met by the CEO and CFO every day of this company and, or every month of this company. And that's how they began. They just focused on a single customer and figured out exactly how can they provide the best value. And now they've figured out the software and now they're scaling that technology to help a whole ton of people. And so focusing on a single customer or a single person and figuring out what is it you're actually providing them is much better than figuring out, oh, how can I scale and create a business model that is maximizes my own revenue. That's, if you only, a great way to think about money is to think about it as IOUs. This is something that one person from society gives you that you cash in with another person in society. And what that says is this person provided something of value to me. And the only way you get IOUs is if someone feels they actually owe you something which means you need to provide significant value to that person. Yeah, and there's multiple ways you could look at it. You could either look to benefit a bunch of people's lives a little bit, or you could benefit you people a lot. And BJ often talks about this, talks about making sort of like this monthly fee or yearly fee that companies can sign up for and you could have what what book brought this up having like 50 companies on your list oh uh and you have a wait list oh oh this is nathan lotka's how to be a capitalist without any capital he has an interesting podcast called the top he does and he interviews entrepreneurs 
particularly tech entrepreneurs in the software as a service space. And he, throughout the interview, he also is grilling them for private company data. And, and then he places all that data in a database that he, um, then venture capitalists and other people uh, use that data to help know which, know information about companies and have a better understanding on what companies and startups to purchase. And people pay thousands of dollars for access to that. And he limits it to 50 people, which one provides a like very consistent revenue because there's always a wait list. So he could even increase the price and some people might drop, but those spots will immediately become filled. Yeah. And the cool part about that is you don't have to worry about a ton of people's problems. Exactly. Because let's say there's one particular company or person that comes at you every other day with a bunch of critiques on what, what you could be doing to, to, to change everything that you're doing. But having a bunch of people like that would be extremely hard to deal with. But if you limit it to about 50 people, give or take, depending on what your price is, obviously, you don't have to deal with a ton of different people. And if one customer in particular is being extremely annoying and trying to extract value that you don't want to be giving them, you could drop them from the list and add another person that's on the waiting list. This is also talked about by uh, Tim Ferriss in 4-Hour Workweek. He, he had his fitness supplement company and um, there were, he realized that two or three people uh, were just causing problems and misordering and messing a whole ton of stuff up. So we sent them an email and he's like, order correctly or don't order at all. And uh, he did lose a customer or two, but that took his time from like 60 hours a week down to eventually four hours a week. And he doubled down on the customers that were doing correctly and clearly did appreciate his product. And by focusing on just a few people, even though his maybe overall uh, revenue decreased, the income, like the pay per hour of time that it cost him went up massively because he eliminated the 80% of uh, just wasted time and focus on the 20% that actually was providing more than 80% of the value, the 80-20 rule, which is another book worth checking out that is higher on our list to get to at some point. But um, so doubling down on the 20% that is working and not just like 10x, like 100x that thing that is actually working because that's where you're actually going to be providing value. And yeah. And I bet you like 20% of the companies that he was dealing with were probably resulting in like 80% of his work. That, that's what, uh, he said 20% were resulting in 80% of his value. And the other 80% were only giving 20% of the value. Yeah. So he focused in on the few ones that had big orders that clearly, because month after month, they had the system down and they appreciated the product and they knew exactly what they were getting and they kept on ordering more of it. So he doubled down on those people and was like, order more. And rather than trying to get another customer that maybe didn't know the system, didn't know what product they were getting, didn't know how valuable it was. And so caused a lot of problems and additional questions that just really weren't necessary when 
you have someone who does value you that you can just go straight to them. Yeah. I think, so circling back to the alchemist, there is one thing I wanted to bring up as well. Kind of like what BJ was talking about before we got on this tangent. But he was talking about how with personal legends, with turning, essentially, so in Alchemist, it talks about how people get really focused on turning lead into gold. People get extremely focused on that, and, and they think that's what their personal legend is, or that they want that specifically to be their personal legend. And the argument that Paul's trying to make here is that if we focus on the superficial and, and, and we try to think that the end result of turning lead into gold is our personal legend, we're focusing on the wrong thing. Because if you think about it in the entire context of this story, we have Santiago going on this insane adventure. And at the end of this adventure, he ends up with treasure. Okay. If Santiago's personal legend was just the event of finding the treasure itself, Santiago would not have gone on this insane journey. He would have taken 10 steps to his right, taken a shovel, dug 10 feet underground, and he would have ended up with the treasure. But the ending up with the treasure wasn't his personal legend. Turning lead into gold wasn't his personal legend. His personal legend was going on the adventure of a lifetime, meeting cool people, seeing the pyramids, seeing the pyramids and learning things that would change the outcome of his life. That was his personal legend. His personal legend was not finding treasure. And oftentimes people think that their personal legend is turning lead into gold, finding that treasure. But I think they're mistaken. Their personal legend is more so the journey that they're going on and the things that they pick up along the way. Yeah. A personal legend, not personal treasure. It, yeah. It's the actual act of going on this quest that's and actually going on the quest and doing all the things. And it also, I just noticed this. I didn't notice this before. But there's that scene with the crystal merchant shop where he's asking for food and then he... Um, starts cleaning the glasses and then the um, shopkeeper's like, oh, I have to feed uh, every hungry person as part of my religion, but I let you clean them because uh, both of us needed to be cleaned of poor thoughts. And sort of that you need to be prepared to receive something before you receive it. And this whole adventure, like wh what was would Santiago do with a ton of treasure if he had just found it right there, then? He would have bought a whole ton of sheep or something and just yeah he was well, spent it on something like sheep what maybe maybe he would have lost all, maybe the treasure would have just immediately been stolen from him because he didn't have the experience of being stolen from constantly throughout the story yeah he got stolen from what three times <laughs> two or three yeah uh, the, three times it yeah. was three yeah yeah uh, first time soon as he got into spain second time um it wasn't really stolen it was half given but with the chief to trade for his life. And then the third time he just straight up got mugged. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, like, he he could have, if he 
didn't know about all these dangers and didn't know who to trust and how to trust people, then maybe this treasure would have had no impact. But because he went on this journey, he now knows exactly what he wants to do with this treasure, exactly what um, the treasure is worth more. And as a better understanding, he, it, whatever he does, it's not really made clear what he does with the treasure after it. But if he spends it to be, it talks about him becoming a great merchant as one potential route. And if he didn't learn Arabic, he probably couldn't become a great merchant because he wouldn't be able to communicate with those people and couldn't make it happen. And so all these different things that uh, led up to him being prepared to receive it, like that's why same thing can go for any of us where like we need to understand more about we, we need to, to develop skills and better understand our customers and whatever to actually provide value and then once we have the money then suddenly we, we can do this all the time and suddenly we have too many projects to work on where previously it's like oh i have one good idea and maybe it works now suddenly you're going to be seeing ideas everywhere you go and have too much stuff to work on and not enough time and to actually have the impact that you could have now that you're seeing all these opportunities. That's right. Because if somebody, because one of my goals is to create a, a successful company that provides a lot of people value, but let's pretend tomorrow, some random person walks up to me, gives me some papers or whatever, and makes this deal and just gives me his or her company. Okay. And let's pretend this company is a very high value company. Do you think I would know what to do with their company? Heck no. That's probably not what my personal legend is, right? And so if you're granted this absurd thing, this absurd event, and it may be the last thing on your personal legend, the, the very last event that occurs, if you're granted this, just out of the blue, you're not necessarily going to know what to do with it. Like BJ was saying, if, if Santiago was just given this this treasure without going on this journey, do you think he would have known what to spend it on? I don't think he would have. I think he would have just spent it on, on sheep, like BJ was saying. I don't think he would have known what to do with it. Like if I was granted this absurdly successful company tomorrow, I wouldn't know what to do with it. And so I wouldn't be able to benefit people with that absurdly great company right yeah a person i think of when thinking about this is grant cardone uh he owns a whole whole ton of real estate and oftentimes whenever he's doing like media or um i see a post or something i'm surprised by how often his kids are with him because they stand to inherit his massive portfolio of real estate companies <laughs> and so he has his kids with him all the time learning just a whole ton of stuff. And I think that's really great that he knows that they need to be prepared to receive that in order to actually be a lasting legacy that he's made. And so th that's what I think of when thinking about being prepared to um, receive uh, the treasure, the reward at the end of your legend. The reward only comes at the end of the legend. It's not so but everything that comes in between is absolutely necessary to actually receive all the benefit you can from that reward. 
Yeah, and so just sort of to, to start wrapping things up here and essentially explain key takeaways, I'd like to start and say that my key takeaway from this book, if I were to pick one thing, would be, generally speaking, fear of failure is what holds us back rather than, or fear of failure is worse than the failure itself oftentimes. I guess I, I should phrase it like that. And so I'm going to try to apply this to my life in the future because I don't want to be held back by the fear of failure. Hopefully the only thing that holds me back is failure, not fear of it. Yeah. And my major takeaway and the lesson that I keep on learning but never quite seem to implement is that oftentimes what you need to do to actually have success is to focus and specialize and have a definite thing in mind that you're going to accomplish and get that done and you'll have plenty of time to get everything else done at the end. I am notoriously unspecialized. I General trivia, I enjoy <laughs> all this stuff that really, and I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying general trivia or anything like that, but I think long-term it would be more beneficial for me to become an expert in one field than to know a little bit about everything. Uh, although knowing a little bit about everything also has its benefits. So uh, that's my takeaway is to have a goal in mind and work tirelessly to accomplish this goal. Uh, next week, uh, next Tuesday at noon, we're going to be talking about 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson, um, which I'm excited for. I heard a lot about this book and heard a lot about Jordan Peterson, so I'm excited to... Uh, I don't think I've read anything of his. I, I've heard him discuss and... I, there, there was a fantastic debate with him and another uh, person that I admire, Stephen Fry, and both of them uh, debated one side of it together, and I enjoyed that massively. Stephen Fry is an awesome writer, and uh, so we'll be getting back into that. I hope everyone enjoyed our first fiction book on Founder's Ascent. Yes, it is the first fiction book. Exciting. It might be a little difficult to get more of those, but it, it was a nice break, and it's a really short read. I probably should have said this at the beginning, but you probably should read the whole book before listening to this, because it doesn't take that long to read, and it really is fantastic. Um, a whole ton of surprises and twists and turns. So be sure to join us ne next week for 12 Rules for life. Go ahead and read that if you want, want to this week and let us know what books you would like to see us discuss next time. Well, not next time, because that's spoken for. But sometime in the future. Thank you so very much for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.